Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. A deaf husband and a blind wife are always a happy couple. The difference between courtship and marriage is the difference between the pictures you see online and what you get when they deliver the product. (laughs) So that's the difference between courtship and marriage. (laughs) All right, sometimes you get it right, but sometimes you see another size of what you ordered (laughs) shows up. All right, now this story is um, the reaction of a husband over uh, over seven years of marriage, okay, to the wife's code. So when the wife has a fever, we're gonna look at how the husband reacts from year one to year seven. Okay, it's very interesting, so just pay attention, okay? So this is the first year. The wife has a code, all right? So this is the, the husband's reaction. Sugar dumpling. I'm really worried about my baby girl. Wait, can I just pause for a moment? Does anybody here call their husband or wife sugar dumpling? <laughs> okay, I'm in the right church, please. Though. What, what's the meaning of sugar dumpling? You can as well call it call a banana muffin. <laughs> all right, he says sugar dumpling. I'm really worried about my baby girl. You've got a bad sniffle. And there's no telling about these things with all the strep going around. I'm putting you in the hospital this afternoon for a general checkup and a good rest. I know the food there is lousy, so I'll be bringing your meals in from Rosini's. I've already got it all arranged with the floor superintendent. That's year one. Year two. Listen, darling, I don't like the sound of that cough. And I've called Dr. Miller to rush over here. Now you go to bed like a good girl. That's year two. Year three. Maybe you should lie down, honey. Nothing like a little rest when you feel lousy. I'll bring you something. Do we have any canned soup? That's year three. Year four. Now, look there. Be sensible. After you fed the kids and done the dishes, you better lie down. (laughs) That's year four. The fifth year. Why don't you take some time at all? (laughs) This is year five. All the conversation is shortening. (laughs) Year six. I wish you would just gargle or something instead of sitting around like a seal all evening. (laughs) This is year seven. For God's sake, stop sneezing. Are you going to give me pneumonia? (laughs) Oh, you know, yesterday, my wife, my wife needed a massage on her back. (laughs) And because I knew I was going to share this, I told myself, I said, I can't be a jerk. I have to, (laughs) I have to behave myself, okay? So I I spoke well and I behaved well, okay? So this is, this is just a joke, but honestly, there's a lot to learn from this. Because, you know, as your, as your marriage goes into, you know, different years, you start taking each other for granted. And that's why we're going through this series, that you, you know, you understand that is, is, is the, the level of commitment and the level of freshness that you infuse into your marriage that you're going to enjoy, okay? So I know this, that wasn't really like a joke today, but it's, uh, it's good. Because it helped me, so I know it will help you too. All right, so let's take our confession. By now, you should know the confession. Let's say it together. Say every day, and in every way. I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. One more time, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Say, in my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name. Father, we've come before your word again today like people that have found a great treasure. We ask for eyes that see and ears that hear. Hearts that understand who we are in Jesus and who Jesus Christ is in us. I ask that you anoint me and my lips of clay. Let your word come unhindered and unchecked by any outside force. So that at the end of this message, your people will be edified and your name alone will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, so today we are closing out our series, um, Cleave, the uh, God's plan for marriage that we've been talking about. So today is the last message in this series. Uh, hopefully every year we get to do like a relationship or marriage uh, series like this, you know, just to help our marriages and our homes. So today I've called this one the purpose of marriage, the purpose of marriage. We, we looked at the beginning of the series, we looked at what godly men want, what godly women want. Last week we talked about God's plan for marriage. Now today we want to look at the purpose of marriage. Now this is very different from what we talked about last week, even though they are similar. Uh, what we looked at last week was the plan of God. What is the original plan, which is for a man and a woman to live and cleave. But today we want to look at purpose. What is, because it is said that when purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. So let's look at what is, what is the, the real reason why you should get married. All right, that's what we want to talk about today. All right, so let's read Matthew chapter number 19. Matthew chapter 19 from verse 4 to verse 6. Matthew 19, 4 to 6. Here's what it says. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, let's read that again. And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Let no man separate. Now, last week I told you a car story, so I'm going to tell you another car story today. Okay? When we first got to Canada, uh, I remember then I used to, I still valued the Naira a lot. The, for me, Naira was the best currency in the whole world. So I've, I still treasured the Naira a lot. So I brought Naira and we needed a car. So we converted the, the Naira to, to the dollars and we bought, I think the car cost maybe 2000 or something then or something like that. So we, we bought the car, uh, we paid cash for it and you know, I brought it home from the dealership. Now, the day that I brought the car home, the first day that I brought the car home, uh, my, my darling wife was trying to repack the car on the road. She's already smiling because she knows where I'm going. She was trying to repack the car on the road. And if you live in Canada, you know that there's something in front of your house called a fire hydrant. Uh, that's what the fire department uses if they ever need to come to your house, right? That's what they use to, you know, to release the fluids that they use to kill fire and stuff like that. So as she was trying to repack the car, she ran into the fire hydrant. Now, this is the, this is the car we just bought, okay? And the door, the side door of the car, like the, the fire hydrant entered into it, so it, it tore the door of the car. So if you see the car, you can see the hole, you know, the line there of the thing. And, you know, it was, it was a surreal moment. <laughs> like, it was, it was a chilled moment. Like, you know, you, you look at you're like, okay, so what, what next? <laughs> you know, so I was just like, well, it's not a big deal. We'll just go and fix it. Now, I told you we bought the car for $2,000, right? So we went to ask about how to fix the car. And they said that it's going to cost us $600 plus tax, to fix a car that I bought for how much? <laughs> for $2,000. <laughs> so you know what we did? We just started driving the car like that. That's what we did. We drove the car like that for more than one year. We were just driving like that because I said to myself, I bought a mattress for $300. I bought a car for $2,000. Then I will fix the door of the car for $600. Anybody that doesn't like the door of the car, let them come and replace it for me. <laughs> That's what I told myself. So, so we started using the car that way. But you see, there's, there's also a lesson that we can learn from it. Because you see, sometimes in marriage, you need to be prepared ahead of time to forgive your partner. There are some things that your partner is going to do to you that is not as a result of what they plan to do, but because of their nature as a human being. What am I trying to say? No human being 
See, this is, the, this is the way I like to say it, that every human being does not want to disappoint you, but they don't have the capacity not to disappoint you. The only person that has the capacity in them not to disappoint you is God. No matter the best intention that your husband or your wife has, they will, because they are human, they will, they will disappoint you, even when they don't expect it. When it it's even surprising to them that, how did I do this? So before the offense happens, it's better to forgive them ahead of time. It's called pro forma forgiveness, where you have already issued the forgiveness and said to yourself that no matter what this, this guy or this girl does, where I'm not leaving you, no matter what it is. So that, I just thought I should, I should share that story with you, okay? Now, today we want to talk about the reasons for marriage, and there are many reasons, like I said before. Uh, whenever I, I do three points, it's not because these are the only three points that are available. Uh-huh. It's because these are the three that, that are important to us right now that the Spirit of God has led me to share with you at the moment. That's why we do three points. So we're going to talk about three reasons. The first one is companionship. Companionship is the first number one reason for marriage. Number one reason for marriage is companionship. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Genesis 2 verse 18. It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. This is the first time that the idea of marriage came up with God. And here is what God said. He said, it's not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper that is comparable to him. So the whole idea from the beginning was for God to make somebody that is a companion for the, for the guy. That was the whole idea. So it's about companionship because it's not good to be alone. Loneliness in today's world is a pandemic. It's, it's, a, it's more of a pandemic than the coronavirus. Because every, every I, I saw the, the stats about North America, they were comparing it to 1950. I don't want to bore you to, with the stats. The most important thing to know is that now, everybody wants to live alone they, with their dog or their cats. They don't want any responsibility, no commitment, nothing that will tie them down <laughs> to anything that, that looks like commitment. People don't want that. They just want to be, to be free, but still have friends with benefits. Uh-huh. They still want to enjoy the benefits of having a partner without the commitment of actually being in a married relationship. So it's important to understand that what God made was not for anybody to be in isolation. He wants everybody to be in companionship. That, that was the whole idea of marriage. That was the first thing that God said. Um, marriage is for friendship and oneness. You marry your friend or you become friends with the person you marry. So some, some people don't have the opportunity of actually getting married to their friends because we say that all the time, marry your friend. But... For somebody like us, we that did seven years of long-distance relationship, there was no friendship. In fact, there were times in the relationship that I thought the relationship was over. The only thing was nobody had said, I'm not doing it again. And if you have not said you're not doing it again, you are still doing it. So that's what kept us. I'm telling you, that's what kept us going. Sometimes for, for three months, we will not even talk because we are holding on to one thing, like I'm angry about something, this one is angry about something. And because there's so much distance between you, there's the time zone is different. You know, everybody's just living their life. Then one day you wake up and say, ah, what am I doing? This is rubbish I'm doing. No, let's fix this. Then you go back again. So sometimes there's, that friendship is not possible. But when you get married, you now have to make it a responsibility to become friends. Make it a duty. That's when we started dating intentionally. Like, like making it something that is planned. That is not that you just, it's when you feel like dating that you date. No, you do it deliberately. That's when we, we started that. So what, all I'm saying is if you, if you were not friends before you got married, you have to make sure that you become friends with the person. And the, the, the thought just came to me this week while I was preparing uh, and looking at the notes all over again, that you know that God could have actually made another man for Adam instead of a woman. Not as a wife or a partner now. Make a man in another garden. Give him another garden and say, you, you guys be friends, right? He said, it's not good for man to be alone, so I will make him a friend. 
then make a man there in one garden. They say, you guys, in the evening, come, come together and play, and play basketball. <laughs> and we, you, you could have done that, but you didn't do that. So it, it means that your, your best friend is not supposed to be another guy or another woman. It's supposed to be the person that you're married to. Because God made him somebody that came out of him that was comparable to him. And that's the person that he wants you to be best friends with. We, we, we talked about this last week, all right, about the fact that you have to let go of, whether it's your parents that used to be your best friend, now you have to make effort to make sure that your spouse is the one that you call your best friend, all right? Marriage is, we're still on point number one, okay? It's for comfort in difficult seasons of life. When certain things happen in life that look difficult, the purpose of marriage is to give us comfort, to find somebody that you can rest your shoulders on. Genesis 24 and verse 67. Genesis 24, 67. It says, Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. All right? That's, that's number one, companionship. Number two reason for marriage is something called copulation. And this is where my message gets complicated, but I will preach it anyway. <laughs> it's something called copulation. Now, sexual fulfillment is a, is a reason for marriage. And there's, there's too many, especially Christian couples, who shy away from this subject. That's why I'm, I'm, I want to teach it. Because, for instance, I know that my wife will never teach you something like this. So it's my job <laughs> to teach you. <laughs> she, this is not uh, this is kind of subject that she enjoys teaching. All right? But sexual fulfillment is actually one of the reasons why marriage exists. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. Now, regarding the questions you asked in your letter, it says, Let, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. Verse 2 says, but because there is so much sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. Then verse 3 says, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. So, it is okay to get married because you want to have sex. Now, listen to me very well. Look, this scripture says, if, if you know that you are having problems abstaining, get married, have your own husband. So it's okay for, for sex to be one of the reasons why you get married. What is not okay is that that's the only reason. <laughs> if that is the only reason why you are getting, that's where there's a problem. But we are looking at three different reasons now so that you understand that all of these reasons have to come together. If you are, if you are not interested in, in having, having sex with your partner, don't, don't marry. That's the problem. Because you are going to create a problem for the partner. I mean, you want, to, you want to be a nun and you want to get married. How is that going to work? Do you understand what I'm saying? So there has to be some level of desire. And that's why, why we say to singles all the time that the fact that you have a desire, a sexual desire, does not make you evil. doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make you bad. It just means that something is working. That's what it means. It means that what God put there is functioning properly. <laughs> okay? That's all it means. So it's now how you manage that, how you make use of that. That is what is very, very important here, all right? So let's look at a few more scriptures. Now, here I'm going to give you several translations because this subject is, again, I was praying for wisdom. And today I'm talking to, I'm talking to Christians because most of the issues, and you know, before it gets to the point where uh, a couple can actually open up to you about sex, uh, sexual issues, it, it must have gotten to a boiling point. Uh -huh. So it, it, it's important that in church we address it. We don't shy away from any issue because... You know, it makes you feel somehow when you're talking about it. But you're thinking about it all the time. You're thinking about it all the time, and it's causing problems. So why, do, why don't you want to talk about it? First Corinthians chapter 7, from verse 2 to 3. Because of the temptation, look at Amplified Translation. But because of the temptation to participate in sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman 
have our own husband. He says, because of the temptation. So that's the reason for it. Verse 3, the husband must fulfill his marital duty. I like what this is called, <laughs> a duty. <laughs> he says, let the husband fulfill his marital duty to his wife with goodwill and kindness, and likewise the wife to her husband. So he's saying this, this needs to be done with goodwill and with kindness. So it's not just to be done as if, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a duty that I'm doing, you know, it's a, it's a burden. Uh-huh. It says with goodwill and with kindness. Now, the, the, the byproduct of this is production. <laughs> I hope you know. So there has to be, there has to be uh, uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to say it now, there has to be some level of agreement between the two of you in terms of, you know, we're, we're getting married, what is the, what's the, the structure of the family going to look like? How many kids do we want to have? You know, how do we want to space them out? And, how do, and, and don't, don't let it be a surprise that you're having children. Because too many couples have surprise. Like, they just, they just wake up and say, oh, we just had a baby, we didn't really know. You, you knew, what do you mean by you don't know? <laughs> it's not a surprise, there's no surprise there. <laughs> do you understand? There's no surprise. And especially Christian couples that, you know, Maybe they, they, were, they were abstaining before they got married, you know, they don't, so it's, there's not too much of, you know, know-how in that, in that area, so they just start having surprises. So you have to know what you are doing and how you plan to do this. I, I hope the, the Lord will give you wisdom for this subject because I don't even know how I'm going to teach this one, but I, I'll teach it. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. We looked at this last week. It says, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So having children and reproduction is one of the purposes of marriage, to raise a godly family. We, we looked at that last week. We looked at Psalm 127, verse 3 to 4, that says children are heritage of the Lord, uh, the fruit of the womb is, is a reward. But it should not be that the only time you are intimate with your partner is when you want to have children. This is where I have a problem. And this is the main point that I want to share in this particular subject, that... I mean, I, how, how can a church be teaching, be teaching, you know, teaching the congregation that it's not okay for you to be having sex when you don't plan to have children? True, like, that every, every time you, want, you, you have sex, you must have a plan to have children. Like, what is that? <laughs> and what's that? Like, that's not in the Bible. It's not anywhere in the Bible. And the scripture they were using was, okay, that uh, somebody spilled uh, something and... Because of that, God was angry. But the context is so completely different. You know, and that's, that, you know that Old Testament story. I don't want to get into it. That's the context that they were using. I'm like, what kind of teaching is this? You know, and then those people will get home, and, and they will be, and the couples will not start, they will not start having issues, and they won't understand why they're having issues. God gave you something that you are supposed to enjoy together, that is supposed to bond you, keep you together, bond you, that, you, that is not even supposed to be happening outside the marriage. But most people would rather do it outside marriage, and then when they get into their marriage, they now start, you know, become conservative all of a sudden, right? So this is, this is a problem. And, you know, I heard one story. One of my, one of my mentors in Nigeria uh, used to tell us this story. I mean, it was, the, it was one of the people that gave us his office when we first started my business. And, you know, he told us this particular story of a, of a, a guy that he, he knew that when, when they, were, they were trusting God for the fruit of the womb, what his wife used to do, literally, was when the man shows up after work, the minute he shows up at the door, she will go and grab him. Like, this one is not welcome, <laughs> romantic welcome. <laughs> she will literally go and grab him and start unhooking him. Like, and the guy was so fed up that he came to my, this is my mentor, you, know, you know who I'm talking about, and he was asking the guy, what, what will I do? I'm, I'm about to die. <laughs> like, this is too much for me. <laughs> what am I going to do about it? And do you know what happened? The minute they had a baby, it now became a problem. 
She didn't want anything to do with him anymore. Like, what, what's, that's not a marriage. That's not a marriage. That's why I'm telling you that, for me, let me tell you, see, my style of ministry is very, because the, the person that trained me in ministry, it doesn't do counseling. It does not do counseling. It doesn't have time for, for that. The counseling is on the pulpit. That's why I'm taking my time to teach it like this. Uh-huh. That you, you, you listen and understand that there are some things that, you, it's not, it, it might not be spelled out in the Bible, but there are scriptures that can guide us, that can show us. And I'm, that's what I want to show you today. So let's look at it. If, if it's true that we're supposed to enjoy it, let's look at it. Couples are to enjoy each other. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse, verse number 2. And we're talking about married couples. We're not talking about, you know, boy meets girl. Or I, have, I saw a girl that I like. That's what we're saying here, please. We're talking about married couples. It says, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2. This is easy to read version. It cannot get easier than easy to read version. It says, but sexual sin is a danger. So each man should enjoy his own wife. It says each man should enjoy his own wife. And each woman should enjoy her own husband. That is what the Bible says. Amplified Bible. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18 to 20. Amplified classic. Look at it. Let your fountain of human life be blessed with the rewards of fidelity and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Now, this translation is very, uh, you know, very reserved, so it uses a very nice word. You'll see it now. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant doe, tender, gentle, attractive. Let her bosom satisfy you. If you look at other translations, it's not bosom that is there. Uh-huh. So that's why I'm saying that this one is very, that's why I chose it. It packages it in a nice way. It says, let her bosom satisfy you all the time and always be transported with delight in her love. Your, your marriage is supposed to be the most romantic place ever. You cannot be all romantic when you are dating. Then when you now get married, it now becomes uh, this guy or that guy. You know, or like, and you hear people, are, please don't call yourself sugar dumpling. That's what we're saying. But <laughs> we're saying that at least find something, something that is pleasant, something that, you know, that, that you guys can, can be, you know, can endear yourselves. That's all I'm trying to say here, please. Why should you, my son, be infatuated with a loose woman? Embrace the bosom of an outsider and go astray. Why? Because you are not, you are not giving that attention in your, own, in your own marriage. So marriage is meant to be enjoyed. It's not meant to be endured. Marriage is meant to be enjoyed. It's not supposed to be endured. This one will knock you out. This is the message translation. This one, when I saw it, I'm just like, wow, this is knockout. This is, this is like drop the mic <laughs> session right here. Look at it. It says, now, getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me. First, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Certainly, but only within a certain context. That's why we are saying that it is within the context of marriage. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. It cannot get simpler than this. It says it is fulfilling. It's supposed to be fulfilling. In this world of sexual disorder, when some people don't even know what they are, they don't know. We're confused. It says in that disorder, marriage is strong enough to contain those sexual desires. It is strong enough because it's what God instituted. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Not, I'm seeking to satisfy myself. That's not the goal. It says the goal is, when you get to your marriage bed, you are trying to satisfy the other person. That is the agenda. Then it says, marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. It is a decision to serve the other person, whether in bed or out. 
So it's not a place where, you're, you're, and I, I was saying it last week, that when people say, you know, it's just about my rights. This is, this is my right. I don't know. He says marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. If you are looking to stand up for your rights, it's not marriage. Marriage is not meant for you. It's not meant for everybody. You don't have to get married. Because this thing, it is, is something that is supposed to, like we said again, to mirror Christ and the church. That's why the devil is trying to mess it up. That's why it's so, it's so much after marriage God's way. Because he, he knows that if Christians get it right, what they are doing, literally, is reminding him of what God did with Christ and the church. And that's what he doesn't want. So this is very, very important, all right? Now, abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time. If you both agree to it. And if it's for the purpose of prayer and fasting, but only for such times. Then come together again. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. So this is, this is vital, all right? I, I hope with this point of mine, I have established this point inside your heart very well. Let's move on to point number three. Now, the third purpose of marriage that we need to understand is marriage is for Christ-likeness. Marriage is for Christ-likeness. That is the purpose of marriage. And I just, I just started to explain that a moment ago. Ephesians chapter number five. Ephesians chapter five, from verse 22 to verse 27. Ephesians 5, 22 to 27. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loves the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Then verse 28 says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever ate his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So, ultimately, the goal, the purpose, is to make us more like Christ. That is the purpose of marriage. Because it says, as Christ loves the church. Now, whenever I say this, make this statement, you know, people look, look at me funny. But the truth of the matter is this. You see, marriage is not supposed to make you happy. Marriage is supposed to make you holy. Now, that is so counterculture. So whenever people hear that, they're like, what do you mean? I'm, I mean, we're supposed to be in the pursuit of happiness. Is that not the goal of life? Is <laughs> the pursuit of happiness. Marriage is not the place to pursue happiness. Marriage is for holiness because it is supposed to be Christ and the church. Your happiness in marriage is supposed to be a byproduct of your holiness. So you coming together with another person that is, that is a child of God, God wants to use that institution of marriage to train you, to make you holy. Show you the things about you that you need to work on. The things that you need to fix so that you guys can become more like Jesus. That's the whole idea. So it's not for happiness. Listen, there's too, too much emphasis on happiness. And I know, I know that everywhere, any movie you see, anything is all about happiness. The minute they are in one marriage, they are not happy, come out of that one, go to another one. If your pursuit, if your purpose for marriage is happiness, you will end up in many marriages. Do you know that? Okay, have I lost you? If your goal, if the purpose, what you are looking for in marriage is happiness, you are going to end up in a lot of marriages. Because when you, there's no marriage, every marriage goes through those phases. There is the honeymoon phase of, of marriage. You will come out of it. 
you will get to the point where you now have to start making efforts to revive certain things, to renew things in your marriage. But what happens is people, people fall in love with somebody. That initial stage is so exciting. Everything is going well. You know, you guys are learning so much about each other. You want to spend time together all the time. You always want to be around each other. That's nice. It's, it happens to everybody. It's not a big deal. There's nothing new about that. That stage will come to an end. There is going to come a day that you will wake up and you will not feel that way anymore. Now is the time where you now have to re- revive your commitment. You now go into the place of commitment. When you come out of where the feelings, <laughs> the mushy feelings are, then you, you now go into commitment. And that's where you now understand what love really is. Where you don't feel it, but you know that you have to, this is what I've committed myself to. And then you start to look at all the, it's just like when you became a Christian. When you first got born again, you were so excited. Every time they open church, you want to enter the church. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? That's the way it is. You are so excited about it. Everybody you meet, you are telling them about your, 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 ah, I, I just became a Christian. I just became a Christian. After a while, you see that, you know, you start feeling like, ah, what else is there? I know, you know, I know this, I know that. That's where you have to return to your first love. That's what the Bible says. You now have to go back to the things you used to do. It's the same thing with marriage. You have to go back. But what happens with people is that when they get to that point, then they look at the person and say to themselves, I don't feel the sparks anymore. There's no more, no more sparks. No more sparks. <laughs> you say, I don't feel it anymore. And they, and they ask them, what happened? I, I thought you guys were all love, love, everything. On Instagram, we're always seeing you. Love, love, love. No. I fell out of love. <laughs> I fell out of love. I fell out of love. And that's the problem. Then they leave that one. Then they go to another one. They start again with another person. At the initial stage. Now, the person that you're going to start with, that person is not new in the world, though. The person is only new to you. But you go to that person, then you start. At the beginning, it's exciting. It's always exciting at the beginning. So they, ah, they start, say, ah, I just found love. Ah, this is the real one. Ah, this is what I should have done from the beginning. And it goes through the phase again. It's, it's nice. It's exciting. You will be, you'll be always seeing each other. You always, but after some time, there will be nothing else to talk about. You know everybody, all, the, all, the, all our siblings, you know all their names. Uh, all the siblings, you know all of them. <laughs> you, you have exhausted everything. You will come back to that point where you have to go to something that is called commitment. Because that is the real meaning of love. It's not the feelings. The feelings will always come and they will always go. And you can revive it to the point where you, you, will, you, will, you, will, you will feel... See, there are times in my marriage where I felt like, ah, are you sure I felt like this when we started? Because this way, the way I'm feeling right now is as if I'm a newborn baby. I'm telling you, it's the work that you put in. It's as simple as that. So what I'm trying to challenge you with in this series is to focus on your marriage. Focus on your marriage. Keep your eyes away from distraction and focus on it. Work on it. Work on your communication. Work on, you know, your friendship. Work on, see, let, your, let your, your, your husband or your wife, let them feel safe with you. Feel safe in your house. Safe to speak to you, to tell you anything, and you do the same. Be vulnerable with each other. All right? So this is, this is extremely important. We are, we are no longer two, but we are now one flesh. Mark chapter 10, as we start to tie this up now. Mark chapter 10, verse 7 to 9. Mark 10, 7 to 9. It says, for this reason... A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Verse 9, therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. This is the whole plan of the enemy, is to separate what God has joined together. Okay? Now, I'm sure you, all, you, you know this, this part of the Bible uh, in the book of Acts, where it talks about the fact that they, all, they had all things uh, come on, uh, the Christians. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. I believe I have that there. Acts 4.32 says, Now the multitude of those who believed were, were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, 
but they had all things in common. Now, do you know that this picture is not just a picture of what the church should be? The first place to actually practice this is in your marriage. The first place where this is supposed to be established is not something that you are still trying to do. In my house, there's nothing like my own. Like when, 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 when my kids will, will be coming to church and they will say, are we going with mommy's car or daddy's car? We will ask them, to get, we will ask them tell us which one is mommy's car and which one is daddy's car. We don't have that in our house. There's no mommy's car. Nothing in, in my house belongs to me or belongs to, no, 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 it belongs to us. And that's the way it's supposed to be because marriage is the first place where you practice how to share in all things. If you cannot overcome selflessness and selfishness inside your marriage, you will not be able to do it inside the church. If the person that you are sleeping and waking up with every day, you can't even share <laughs> in all things with the person. How are you going to share in all things with other, other believers? How are you going to do that? You can't do that. Except for just doing it for eye service or for people to see you. Right? So the whole idea is that in your, in your marriage, you, you make selfishness something that is non-existent. Something that does not exist anymore inside your home. Where you give up yourself. We already saw it. You are not holding on to your rights. You are not holding on to, you know, this one belongs to me. You know? And I'm not, I'm not saying you have to have joint account. But I'm saying it helps. To have joint account. You don't have to, but it actually helps. It helps you to give up, you know, that thing about us that wants to hold on to, it's almost like a backup plan to say, ah, I don't know, ah, if this woman wakes up tomorrow now and says, she's not doing it again, <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, and, those, and that's the thing, those things have to be, you have to deal with those things. Every, every of those things that makes people think that they have something they can fall back on, it has to go away. You have to get rid of it. And, and make God your only fallback plan in marriage, okay? Now, I know this has been uh, a, a difficult subject, but it, it will help you, trust me. In a, in a few years, you will, you, will, you will like me more. After a few years, <laughs> you might not like me today, but you will like me, all right? So let's summarize what we've talked about. First thing we said, number one purpose of marriage is companionship. That was the whole idea. It's not good for man to be alone. Number two is copulation. You are supposed to enjoy your sexual... Uh, uh, your, your sex life in marriage is supposed to be enjoyed. It's not something that you are supposed to be enduring. All right? And, and, and the, the, the one other thing that helps with that is communication. Communication is almost like the glue that keeps everything in your marriage together. It's a, it's a glue. All right? So that's, that's for that. And then there's Christ-likeness that we just spoke of, that your marriage is supposed to reflect what Jesus Christ did for the church. So I want to challenge you this week. Do something for your spouse that is selfless this week. Something that you have been holding on to that benefits you as a person. Give it up for your partner this week and do something that is selfless for him or her. Can, can I challenge you to do that? You're all cold today because of the rain, but can I challenge you? <laughs> can I challenge you to do that? To go home and do something selfless. Something that, you, you know, David said, I will not, I will not give to, <laughs> you know, to God. What, that, will not, that won't cost me anything. That's what I want you to do for your partner this week. Find something that will cost you. Maybe something that you know that legitimately you, you can personally enjoy it. Give it up. Let me tell you, it, it doesn't have to be a big thing, though. Sometimes it's meat. Oh, you, you are laughing. Do you know that sometimes it's just meat? Do you know? Or a piece of cake that maybe is the last piece of cake in the fridge, and you have been programming in your mind how you are going to devour the cake. <laughs> then you get home and you see that, ah, there's just one small piece left. Ah, you're like, oh, we have this now. That's what I want you to do this way. Give it up, you know, and, and deal, with, deal with that thing called selflessness, all right, selfishness, okay, in you, all right? Okay, let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today, and by the power of your spirit, we ask that you establish us in this truth and in all righteousness, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, a few announcements today. 
I, I wanted to give away um, more copies of this book. If, in case you're single and you've been like, you know, we have been, all we have been talking about, married people, married people. So if you're in the house today, you have never seen Love Code before. Because I, I was, I was, it was very interesting. Uh, somebody came to our house, which somebody that knew us for a long time came to our house and has never heard of Love Code. Ah, like, are you sure <laughs> you have never heard? <laughs> so I showed them, and I showed them your picture of Love Code. That time you didn't have chicks like this. Yeah, so I showed, I showed them your picture, and they were like, wow, that's that brother, wow, he doesn't look like him. I said, yes, that's what marriage does to people. <laughs> all right, so it's a free book, okay, uh, no cost to you at all. All we need you to do is uh, the, uh, send us an email, we'll put the email address on the screen for you. Uh, if, you're, if you're married, it will really help you, honestly, because it will, it will make you start judging your husband and your wife, <laughs> because it's supposed to be a, a checklist for covenant relationships. So before you get into marriage is when you're supposed to read this, all right? Uh, it, it, has, it has a lot of good stuff for singles that I can't, I can't start breaking down in the subject. It's completely free, all right? If you are in Canada, as long as you're, you're it's a, um, is it, what do you call it now, domestic, okay, local, uh, anywhere in Canada, we will send it to you at our own cost, all right? It's not, it's not going to cost you anything. We've already given out more than 1,000 of it. So it's not something that we started doing yesterday. Okay, so we'll send it to you so that it just it can be a blessing to you. And if you are outside of Canada and you want it, by all means you want it, then you have to pay the shipping uh, because we are, we are a registered charity in Canada, not the charity outside. <laughs> all right, which brings me to the, the news that we shared yesterday. If you didn't hear, uh, by the grace of God, we are, our charity status was approved, which is, a, which is very exciting, uh, exciting news. All right, it's worth clapping for, honestly, because... I mean, I mean, we know of people that have, you know, bigger names that don't have charity. So we thank God for that, you know, it's, and it's something that allows us now to begin to do a lot of the things that are, are in my heart that we want to do, okay? But for the, the ways to give, uh, like we said, we'll keep reminding you every week. Uh, you can, let me see if I can, if I have that here. We can put that on the, on the screen there for you to see. Let me just go over them, all right? The Interact is, is, um, is kind of the popular one that most people use. Uh, info at insightsforbelievers.org. You can send uh, an e-transfer there. Uh, you can do it online. Uh, since, since last week when I spoke about this, a few more people have started to use the online. You just go to the church website. There's a giving tab there. It allows you to either do a one-time donation or to do it monthly. Okay? And if you, if you want to use a card, like a, a credit card or anything, that is the, the easy way to do that. Interact, you have to send money that, you, that is from an account or something, right? So, but if you want to use a credit card or a debit card or anything, then you can use the website. That will help. Uh, for, for those, uh, my old money people, you know, who like to just lick envelopes and write checks, <laughs> you can use, you know, write a check, uh, make it payable to Believers Heritage Ministries and send it in to the, to the mailing address and we will, we will also get that. And if you're in the room and you want to give by cash, there are envelopes at the back of the room that you can use and you can also, you can also use your card in, in church. We have a point of sale as well if you want to do that, okay? So that's just a reminder for you if you want to join the army of people that make this, this ministry possible. There are a lot of things that we want to, we want to start to get into, like actual actual, you know, outreaches, like things that will benefit the community that we are in, all right? And we need, we need everybody pulling resources together for us to be able to do that, okay? Uh, just to remind you again, communion is on, on Friday, October 1st, which is this Friday, all right? Uh, prayer and communion, we're going to be here from 7.30 uh, to pray and to take communion. If, you're, if you want to join us online, you can, you can join us from 8 o'clock. Uh, you can join us from 8 o'clock for the live stream. And then, um, more than rubies, the ladies are starting their prayer meeting on October 16th. 
as part of the anniversary. Anniversary is on the 17th. So they will, they will come in on, on Saturday morning to pray at 9.30 in the morning for one hour. And it's going to be every month, I think it is. It's going to be every month by the grace of God. So we'll start in October um, on, on 16th. 16th is the Saturday before the anniversary Sunday, which is 17th, all right? And the anniversary, please uh, keep it at the forefront of your mind. Keep it as something, if the Lord leads you to give towards it, Give, give something that is, you know, over and above your normal titan offering and whatever it is uh, towards that. Because the more, the more people give, the more we can do. That, that's what I wanted to understand, that church is, the way, the way we operate here is we are not, we're, 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 like I told you last week, we're not going to put pressure on people to do things. Like if we want to do something, we will look at what God has blessed us with and whatever we can do from that is what we will do. We will not use the need to, to now come and pressurize people that, ah, we, this is what we want to do, give us money. No, we will, we will look at what God has enabled people to give and use that, you know, but the more we have, the more we can do. Like, if you look outside, you can see that we already, we, we, we are clearing the path there in front because we want to put up a sign outside there, right? Um, during the week, uh, a church blessed us with chairs. So these are the chairs that you see here. It's a long story. I can't get into it now. It's one of the, 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 the pastor that I usually call my mentor in the city. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. He, he gave us the chairs. And when he gave us, another pastor, because we're in a, in a meeting with the pastors in the city. Uh, it's not like a Nigerian club. I'm the only Nigerian pastor there. So it's like pastors from like all the other people, you know. We're having this meeting and, you know, it just came up. Somebody had blessed them with brand new chairs. So he wanted to bless another church with, you know, their own, their own chairs. In fact, the, 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 the church that I'm talking about that blessed them with their chairs, another church actually gave them a building. The pastor of the church is a lady. <laughs> another church actually blessed them with their building. They say because they were amalgamating with another church, and they had this vacant building, and they just literally gave them the building, right? So she, that happens to us all the time. <laughs> That's what we say in our house. When we hear a good testimony, we say that happens to us all the time. So like, do you need chairs? Like, yeah, of course we need chairs. <laughs> so he said, you know, you know, to take that. I'm like, ah, we need though, please. <laughs> so, he, so they gave us that, and it's a, it's a blessing because now for the anniversary, we don't even have to worry about chairs. We have more than enough. For that, so yeah, so we have a few things that we're trying to do like that. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.